0: Welcome to the Captain Bagrat Podcast, where we're on a mission to fight boring news about Asia and Australia. You know, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it with a finger on the Asian, well, Asianish pulse. As always, we're recording from downtown Chinatown, with yours truly, the mythical Madam Chan and friends. Welcome back, Svetlana. Hello. Oh, you're down in downtown Chinatown again. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. What
1: kind of racist accent was that?
0: I was trying to, uh, you know, go back to my roots, but obviously it didn't sound anything like it.
1: I just want to clarify, that was Madame Chan, not me.
0: <laughs> Very right. And you're back, this is your third time back.
1: Yes, it's my third time on Captain Bagrat, and I'm happy to be here.
0: Excellent, because the first time it was about uh, Yellow Knight, that's yes. right?
1: About the yellow fever.
0: Correct, and about other things yellow and in the shape of bananas, maybe. And then, <laughs> and then the second episode, we actually talked about the coronavirus and how uh, it fueled a lot of racism during yes. that period. Yeah,
1: God, doesn't that feel like a hundred years ago now? It was
0: May last year when we had that one.
1: Oh my goodness! I know,
0: and also because I think you told me that you were engaged.
1: Yes, then. I, I
0: was, but Ooh. I'm not
1: engaged anymore. What are you now? I'm married. Oh,
0: you've disengaged and become permanently yes. married.
1: I am now officially a member of the Nguyen tribe.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Which, by the way, you're married to an Australian with Vietnamese heritage.
1: Yes, so his parents were both born in Vietnam. He's a first-generation Australian. And yes, like 40% of Vietnamese people, he's a Nguyen.
0: (laughs) Which is a very common name, like Smith, right?
1: Even more common than Smith.
0: (laughs) I don't know what's more common than Smith.
1: Well, yeah, probably Nguyen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And probably more so than Chans and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Lee's (laughs) Lee's definitely, definitely. (laughs) So what's married life like now? Like, did you have a beautiful wedding? Asian wedding or Western wedding? Oh my God.
1: Our wedding was very low key. Because we got married in the middle of COVID, we could only have a very small number of guests. And we had an outdoor wedding just to make sure that everything was as safe as possible. Mm. We only had nine guests. Aww. And because of the border restrictions, my husband's parents actually couldn't be there. <gasps> oh no! Which was really hard. Yeah. It was really hard for him not having them there and we all miss them on the day.
0: And him being the first son of an Asian family getting married. Yes. That's a big deal.
1: It was a big deal, but his parents gave us their blessing because they knew we wanted to get married and they just said... Something along the lines of, you know, it's impossible to tell what's going to happen in the next year or so. So just get married and when we can, we'll get together and celebrate. Oh,
0: that's so selfless of them. Yeah,
1: they're pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I guess it's probably better when all the rules relax and you can have a big and actual huge celebration because I'm sure they'll probably put in a little bit of Vietnamese flair into the ceremony.
1: That's what we're hoping. We're hoping to do something. Um, They live in Queensland. We're hoping to do something up there. But it's just so hard to say. I mean, Brisbane's just come out of another lockdown. Yes. So I'm not confident with planning anything <laughs> at the moment. I, I'm just going to wait and see. And, you know, I don't want to put anyone at risk.
0: No, not at all. Yes, it's very unpredictable with this, uh, the variant, the muta- muta- mutant variant that's come over from UK.
1: Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. I haven't even been keeping track. Oh, I've been
0: keeping track. I'm like, just in case, there are places that I shouldn't go to. Yeah,
1: like... <laughs> Queensland, like for Queensland for now,
0: <laughs> and Byron Bay.
1: Yeah, definitely don't go to Byron Bay.
0: Yeah, it's not safe there at the moment. Yeah, was it
1: ever safe?
0: <laughs> or were they all just half asleep most of the time? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so your parents were there for the wedding, just yes, give the blessing.
1: Thankfully, yeah. yeah. And we had um, Fung's parents joining us by video link. Oh, good. So at least they got to watch and be a part of it that way. Um, Obviously, it's not the same as them being there, and we did miss them a lot on the day, but it's just the way it had to be. We didn't want to wait any longer to get married so we had to make some sacrifices
0: and so you had a western wedding instead more on that line yeah Yeah,
1: it was very non-traditional i suppose we just had a civil celebrant Mm -hmm. and there was no church aspect to it because that's not part of our lives yeah and my parents were totally fine with that um we just Um, read each other a speech and
0: could could you please uh, uh, give a a summary here if that's all right or relive it for me
1: well (laughs) his was way better than mine
0: (laughs) sentimental hey
1: he talked about um, because he's a sailor and he talked about how every ship needs a strong anchor and he said that I was his anchor Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's very romantic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and what did you say? You're like my sauce to my meat pie? or
1: No, sadly I didn't have anything so witty. I said something <laughs> lame like, I love you so much and I'm so happy I met you. Guys.
0: I think that's enough to say that. <laughs> what you need to say. <laughs> that's beautiful. And did you have like a sit-down dinner? Was that possible or because it was held outside?
1: Well, after the recep- after the wedding we had a reception at an Italian restaurant in Kuji, Is it okay if I give them a little plug? Oh yeah, why not? Uh, The restaurant's called Osteria in Coogee, and it's fantastic if you're looking for modern Italian. Um, They looked after us very well. We had, I can't remember if it was five courses or seven courses, but a ridiculous number of courses. (laughs) And everything was delicious. And they even catered for my sister's vegetarian boyfriend.
0: (laughs) Was he vegan as well?
1: I don't think he's vegan, I oh, think he's just vegetarian. vegetarian. Yeah. Okay, but he likes the food a lot as well, so that was good. So, vegetarians and Italians head to Osteria Kitchen,
0: <laughs> ticking all the boxes, and that's really very multicultural of a wedding. You get uh, Phun, who is Vietnamese Australian, and then you've got the Polish Aussie background, and then you go to eat at a place in an Italian place.
1: Well, on my yeah. dad's side, we have Italian heritage along right. way back,
0: that's right. But
1: Actually, it's funny. I had a DNA test done recently.
0: Oh my God, do tell. I've always wanted to, but do tell.
1: Well, film did one and it came back 100% Vietnamese.
0: You think that? Yeah.
1: yeah. So not very exciting. <laughs> Nothing to really explore. But mine was 45% Irish. Oh, really? 25% Scottish. And then 20% European, like, Slavic. Okay. And then a podge podge of random little bits and pieces.
0: Of Italian. Maybe.
1: And there was Germanic, there was Swedish, there was all different things. You're
0: a mishmash of European in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's been a lot of, you know, (laughs) (laughs) cross-contamination.
0: There's nothing wrong with cross-contamination at the moment if it's outside of Rona.
1: Yes. (laughs) Thankfully this was before Da (laughs) Rona.
0: the rona and so has life changed as a wife now you're a wifey
1: well i do feel in some ways that it has changed i mean obviously when you marry someone you want to know that you fully trust them and that you're deeply in love and that you're making the right call so it's not that i didn't feel that before we got married mm. but since we've been married i do feel closer to him very
0: and, anchored yes.
1: yes oh nice call back that's all right and I do feel like I can rely on him even more than I did before, which is nice. It's just nice knowing that you're on the same team and you can support each other and no matter what. You know, you've made that commitment to each other.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that's what marriage feels like. <laughs> <laughs> and and so um, any other aspects of change? I mean, the bedroom, it's still, still wonderful as well or... Or what? (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) Honestly, you hear all these myths about when you get married, sex goes out the window. I can happily say that hasn't happened for us. Excellent. So I can happily report that all the (laughs) myths out there, the myths out there, haven't proven true for us. (laughs) But then again, it is early days, so I'll have to come back on the podcast and report
0: back to you. (laughs) Yeah, maybe when you're pregnant, (laughs) and we go, and now Sveta is pregnant.
1: Yeah, the, the, I can
0: call it the halfy baby episode. <laughs> oh, that'd be so cute! You guys will make such
1: cute babies. Oh, so many people say that to me. Oh. They're like, I can't wait till you have babies because they're gonna be so cute. And I'm like, oh, but <sighs> I have to push it out.
0: But, you're Like half Vietnamese babies are the cutest because they they look more European than um than the solid. So I can say this because I got Chinese heritage. Then the Chinese cross a Western baby because I think the Chinese bloodlines are a little bit more too dominant sometimes. So I think I think your baby will have like the most. Beautiful beautiful light brown hair,
1: just... You like know, my... hey, Maggie Q, Maggie Q. Oh, yeah, she's half Vietnamese. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm learning.
0: <laughs> and there's pressure now. I'm expecting you to push out a Maggie Q equivalent.
1: Yes, I mean, I'm, I don't feel too much pressure from my side of the family, because my parents are very, you know, very relaxed. And they just say, we want you to be happy. Don't rush to have kids. Mm on Fong's side of the family, it's a little bit different. They're very open about the fact that they want us to have children, which is a lovely thing, but I I guess that's one of the key cultural differences. Mm. Um, And she'll say things to us, my mother-in-law will say, like, oh, if you guys have a kid, I'll be able to support you and help you look after them, which is amazing. Yes. But she says if you wait too long, I'll be too old and I won't be able to help.
0: Asians never too old. Asian don't raisin. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna have enough energy in her nineties.
1: Well, I think it's really lovely that she wants us to have kids, but maybe not straight away. Not
0: straight away. Yeah. How many? Have you guys discussed like how many kiddies you want to have? Or?
1: We want to have two children.
0: Wow. How old?
1: Yeah. Called Zenith and Quasar.
0: Oh, can you explain? <laughs>
1: it's a joke from a TV show that we
0: love. Like. Oh, right, okay. Your kids are gonna love you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we'll really call them that, but in our hearts, they'll always be called Zenith and Quasar. <laughs> they
0: can be their middle names. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they'll never tell anyone that's not their middle name at all. <laughs> All right. And so um, in the married life, are you guys finding it like, um, you know, are there any special things that you're doing now that differed to when you were just de facto?
1: Honestly, I I can't think of anything that's really changed. Mm. We have made an effort to keep up our date nights and mm. keep things fun and, you know, not get too complacent. Yeah. yeah. Just keep it fresh. Yeah. And um, just... Doing fun, stupid things together, like singing karaoke. Oh, and, and what
0: do you sing?
1: I Will Always Love You. Oh,
0: my God, by Whitney Houston. Yeah,
1: and what's the Titanic one? My Heart Will Go On.
0: on? Oh, my God, Celine Dion. Yep. And so who sings the high pitch?
1: We both do. You do? Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: I'm going to have to record you guys singing karaoke one day.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's going to sound very good, but we have fun doing it. So
0: do you guys have like a little dance when you sing those renditions?
1: We, we're getting pretty into it with the hand gestures. <laughs>
0: in the air and <laughs> sorry my voice screeches when no, i sing
1: probably what we sound like
0: <laughs> yeah i know this poor podcast is probably gonna go deft tone uh, cut it off
1: <laughs> start getting a million complaints <laughs>
0: do you guys do like board games as well is that what keeps it alive during covid as well as married as a married couple
1: oh we had an interesting time during COVID because he had to go away for work mm. and at the time I was stood down from my job mm-hmm. so I actually went and stayed with my parents for a little while because yeah. I thought what's the point of just rattling around the apartment by myself if he's not here and mm. I've got no job to keep me occupied so that was a really challenging time because I'm someone that really likes to be busy and really likes to have something to keep me occupied and i didn't have that and so I tried to find things to do at mum and dad's like you know cleaning the kitchen and
0: wow you want to come up to my place
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a little bit of painting but it was very isolating and it was very tough um and then when he got back from work I went back home mm. and f- I thankfully found another job by that time so Things got a bit better, but I guess because both of us were in brackets essential workers at that point. Yeah. It didn't change too much.
0: So life just progressed. Yeah. But probably having less of a social life because you know, no one was allowed to see each other for a while. No, we
1: didn't see our mm. friends or go out socializing or but I think we missed the worst part of the lockdown. We missed that that early part of the lockdown where Couples were breaking up because they were spending too much time Time together. together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think COVID really brought out like three different scenarios. One, as you have stated, they're breaking up. (laughs) They're spending too much time together. Or they start having babies. (laughs) (laughs) Or actually, I've seen a lot of couples become closer and they get married. Or uh, some people have actually started a relationship, which they normally wouldn't if it wasn't because of Rona. So, you know, Rona's had some positive impact on a lot of couples out there.
1: Oh, yeah, and mm. I I know it's it's probably hard to say that, like, coronavirus has been a good thing. Like, mm. I don't think it's been a good thing, but I do think it's been a catalyst for a lot of change.
0: Yeah, social, on the social level.
1: A lot of change. Like, I really hope we'll see a change in the culture of um, coming to work sick in mm. Australia. Like, I've worked in places where people power through illness and come into the office and spread it around, and I'm hoping that... As a society, we can sort of stop doing that.
0: And I hope um, also as a, as a society, we find work-life balance because um, as Rona has demonstrated, a lot of the non-essential uh, workers, not saying that they're not good at what they're doing or required in a day-to-day day job. You know how, how some people t- take the word essential and non-essential a little bit differently? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to describe it.
1: Maybe yeah. frontline workers is a better yeah, word?
0: Yeah, I think frontline workers. Yeah, yeah, so people who are not frontline workers, um, maybe they can find balance in life finally, you know, being yeah. able to stay at home. Work yeah. from home a
1: little bit. That's right, and... spend
0: time with their kids and spend time with their wife and
1: representation for all those polyamorous workers out there
0: (laughs) exactly frontline or not yeah yeah and i yeah i think the social impact has been i think quite positive and people are actually maybe showing a little more empathy in terms of caring for one another in the community
1: i hope so Mm. i mean last time i was on we talked about some of the racial attacks yes and I think we've really seen an uptick of that lately, especially in the US. Yeah. So I hope that you're right.
0: Yeah. I think the Stop Asian Hate uh, campaign is a, is is necessary. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how this all of a sudden flared up because when we had that discussion in May last year, it was probably at the height of it in Australia.
1: Yeah. There were a few racist attacks on, on Asian people and there was a lot of commentary about you know the, mm. the China virus and all this really silly yeah.
0: stuff
1: going around.
0: That's right. Yeah, and, and then I think things actually uh, improved a, a little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually, I felt, I felt it as well. It, it was actually really funny because um, I think around May and before then, uh, whenever I used to walk down with a mask, people would look at me funny and, and you know throw those insults at me for being you know, a China virus and all that. Um, and I think it was about maybe three or four months ago, I walked into Woolworths. Without my mask on, and but everyone else had their mask on. And I had this white Australian come up to me and go. <coughs> <laughs> With his mask and pointing at the mask. I was like, oh, thank you. I totally forgot. <laughs> so isn't it how funny that just flipped in six months?
1: Oh, my goodness. It's so crazy. <laughs> Although I have noticed that now they've got rid of the mask mandate on public transport that no one is wearing them anymore.
0: No. I, I still wear it if I'm going to be sitting really close to somebody. <laughs>
1: it's probably a good idea. And I'm still carrying them around for emergencies. Like if I get on the bus and someone's coughing everywhere. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: But I don't know how much... It will save me, but it's better than nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we don't want to go down uh, to Byron's situation again. No,
1: we don't want that. Not in
0: Sydney, anyway. Yeah, I'm quite liking this freedom. Like I feel like an organic chicken. I can run around free now without wearing, you know, um, a mask.
1: <laughs> I can confirm that Madam Chan looks like a very a cute organic chicken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have Do you have chickens on your farm?
1: my farm on your
0: parents place or
1: no they don't have chickens oh right that would be very cute though i'm sure my dad would kill them to eat them
0: great okay i'll come over for dinner (laughs) (laughs) for some like compound chicken
1: Mm, yeah that sounds yummy yeah
0: but you did say that he's cooking a lot
1: yeah, yeah. He, he bakes his own bread, he makes his own yogurt, Wow! he does a lot of things from scratch, he just bought a new barbecue, so he's all excited about that, it's very cute.
0: Barbecuing meat. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, has he passed on some of these uh, skill sets to you, or influenced you in any way?
1: Well, last time I went to visit, he taught me how he makes his roast chicken, so that was amazing, mm. and I'm going to cook that for my husband next time we have a roast, Aww. so that was very fun, and he, he's... So the most important thing he's teaching me is that it just takes practice.
0: Definitely. So
1: don't worry if you don't get it right on the first try.
0: I know. I've made the um, the famous Black Stars watermelon cake Ooh. twice now. Yeah. First time, the sponge was too thin, and it just wasn't the right consistency. I think I needed more hazelnuts and um, cashews. Not cashews. Um, almonds. Second time, sponge was perfect. Cream was too soft. So... Third time lucky i reckon it's gonna be perfect and i'll dish some out to you
1: that's amazing i also Mm. love how you say sponges sponge
0: sponge (laughs) (laughs) what kind of accent is that (laughs) (laughs) bit of a mix
1: (laughs) you know that famous cartoon spongebob SpongeBob.
0: (laughs) is that american spongebob (laughs) or is it uk
1: no it's it's Sponge, it's SpongeBob.
0: Sponge, sponge.
1: <laughs> it's spelled sponge.
0: I like sponge. But it's pronounced
1: sponge.
0: <laughs> the Australian way, sponge. Yeah. Tomato. <laughs> That's that like the way you want me to talk from now on.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I have coronavirus. Oh, I'm please
0: get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and so does Foon come back, when he does come back home, does he uh, cook a lot of Asian dishes or...?
1: Honestly, we're both the worst when it comes to cooking. We always end up just getting delivery.
0: Oh, good. Halista, uh, you're keeping the economy up.
1: Yeah, we're supporting all those local businesses. You know, it's purely the only reason we're doing it, not because of laziness.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't cook very much. When he does cook, he tends to cook um, Asian style, like dishes with rice and um, those staples. nice things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I cook very basic. Bitch, Australian food like spag bowl.
0: Well, that's really yummy. Steak
1: and veggies.
0: Spag bowl. that's Italian.
1: Yeah, but... Really, okay, so spaghetti bolognese is Italian. Spag bowl is definitely Australian.
0: I see your accent differences. You can because you're technically a little bit of Italian. <laughs> All right. And I was also thinking, since we had that last conversation back in May with the the Rona-induced racism. How's your friend? Because I remember you saying that your friend was um, being targeted and your other friend didn't quite understand uh, why there was a big deal. I'm not sure if you remember this conversation. No, I'm sorry. I'm drawing a
1: blank. But I I know a couple of my friends did experience some some targeted racist abuse. Mm. um, And I've definitely met plenty of white Aussies who are very ignorant about how it must feel mm. to go through something like that as an ethnic minority. I mean, I think a lot of white Australians just take it for granted that how they're treated is how everyone else is treated. Yeah, And if you're a minority, that's not necessarily the case, as I think we've seen in the news recently
0: and yeah we've also seen the news uh, how the dominant uh, males the old boys club uh on how they treat women and the issue uh, and the way they speak about women's issues and how obviously insensitive they are to it because they never experienced it
1: oh my goodness yes if you want to start talking about this we can but i probably won't ever shut up about it so.
0: well you can summarize if you like <laughs>
1: I saw on the news today that a Labor staffer has been arrested for possessing child exploitation material. Oh, what? And I just sort of thought, like, nowhere is safe. Both sides of the political spectrum, Mm. we've got these horrible allegations coming out, and I know some of them are just allegations, and Mm. I'm not going to comment on, you know, those complex legal matters. Yes, I do think... I think it's important to believe victims when they come forward. I understand that there needs to be a burden of proof to find someone guilty in court. Mm -hmm. I also think there's no smoke without fire is a very pertinent adage for this kind of situation. However, I think what you've said, the word you've used, boys club, is very apt. There's a culture of male dominance in Australia. And it's white male dominance, but I think male privilege still exists across all um, ethnic identities.
0: Mm. And industries. Yes. Absolutely. So I, I believe the, um, the government is setting up a uh, women's, um, the, oh, sorry, the workshop is probably not the right word that they have, a working group. I believe, I think they might be doing something like that for, from the Department of Foreign Affairs. Okay. So I think Maurice Payne has been assigned to, uh, to go forth with this particular initiative to establish some sort of guidelines um, in terms of how women are treated in the Cabinet uh, at, when they're over you know, in Parliament House uh, and also I think in government in general.
1: See, Mm. I'd love to say like, I hope this will make a big difference, but my expectations are so low. (laughs) Oh gosh, okay.
0: (laughs) Well, if it's so low, then there's always room for improvement then.
1: That's true, that's true.
0: (laughs) Yes, well there you go, ScoMo, we just gave you a bit of a, you know, advantage there.
1: (laughs) I don't even think it's necessarily all ScoMo's fault. I think it's a bigger problem than him.
0: It's this the culture, misogynist culture in Australia. Like I do know from, you know, um, discussions with other people from other uh, countries. um, And they've experienced Australia in a different way um, that I never really reflected too much. And they said, you know, Australia, in terms of racism compared to their respective countries, they said Australia's doing an okay job, you know. But when it comes to um, women, raising profile women and women in leadership position they said no i think australia is probably the most misogynist country out of the lot
1: that's really interesting Mm. yeah and i mean i know that things have come a long way like it's definitely improved from like when my mother was a young woman Mm. and i'm sure her mother before her and i don't want to shit on the progress that feminists have made But I think when we're in a situation where every week another high-profile figure is being accused of Mm. sexual misconduct, there there is a problem.
0: Yeah, it's almost like um, you can ask, so has anyone not sexually assaulted or harassed a woman in your life? I think there just might be one hand that will go up.
1: And this is the thing, like every woman I know, every woman has experienced some form of of violence, Mm. whether it's harassment or sexual assault or Inappropriate conduct online, or you know, every single woman. There's not one woman I've met who hasn't had at least one story of being mistreated.
0: And the thing is, there's increase in domestic violence and this aggression from um, male, you know, the males, the opposite sex, or toward women who earn more money than they do. So there was a recent research that came out. Apparently, women who earn more money in the household compared to their husband, there's a 35 percent increase in domestic violence.
1: Wow, that's insane.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm choking on myself. It's not Rona. <laughs> yeah, and, and so it will be really interesting to see, like, not only a woman who is uh, more dominant in terms of bringing in the cash, so you know, being the breadwinner, how does the male then uh, react to a, a woman or their wife who would end up being more influential, let's say?
1: See, I don't Mm. understand that because my husband would be thrilled if I was earning more money than him. Mm. He would be great, we have more money.
0: (laughs) We should campaign him as an advocate for women's uh, rights.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it sounds...
0: Or the perfect husband.
1: (laughs) There's a saying that I've heard in some circles which is like, oh, but not, not my husband, we're feminists will go on and on about how terrible men are, but then say, oh, but my husband's great. But I, my husband really is great. <laughs> um,
0: Good, I'm glad.
1: He always, I think it's because he was raised by a very strong mother and he has a very strong sister as well. Mm. But um, I've always felt that he empathised a lot with, you know, being female and understands that you do get treated differently. And um, he's very egalitarian when it comes to sharing the the load of housework he, oh, he probably really does good. more housework than me oh like what he does everything he does the dishes he cleans the kitchen he vacuums the floors he puts away the laundry he makes the bed he what cleans- do you do I do the washing.
0: Oh, right. <laughs> because nobody cooks. That's right. Yeah. You always you get delivery.
1: Yeah. I do, the, I do the laundry and if we cook, I cook usually. Oh, yeah, that's okay. He definitely does more than me.
0: Yeah, who looks after the finances in the family, uh, the administration of it?
1: Honestly, mostly him.
0: Well, well. Good on him for being, you know, raised well by his parents or his mother and um, the strong sister figure.
1: Yeah. And and like his dad is great as well. Yeah. I I think he's just been, you know, good family around him. Do you know
0: what? I see a potential coaching session by Fun that he can provide to a lot of the other males in this country. (laughs) First of all, maybe he could be the mentor to some of these ministers. (laughs) (laughs) This is how you treat a woman. How to not be shit. (laughs) how to be a a real gentleman (laughs) at home and in the workplace.
1: That just makes me think of that supreme gentleman thing.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And in also... um, in the world of Foon's world, how he was raised by, you know, the strong mother figure and as well as the sister figure. Um, I think in Australia, a lot of the family, I don't know, I find that, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of the Australian families, like the white Caucasian, you know, Anglo-Saxon, whatever you want to call them, um, the, the mother figure is less so than a tiger mom. Do you know what I mean? Do you I find think- that? I don't know. I think
1: it depends on the individual family. Like, I've met some pretty strong women mm. in communities of, of, of white women. I've also met some pretty silly women mm. in all walks all, of yeah. life. Um, so I don't know if it... It might come down to a cultural thing. I do think, from what I've observed, that some... Asian couples are more equal, Mm. more egalitarian with each other, more of a team. Yeah. And that's what I try to be with my husband, try to be a team and work together. Um, I have met some couples who there's very much the man's in charge Mm. and the woman's just following. I mean, sure, my husband organizes the finances, but that doesn't mean he's in charge. We agree on something together and he just executes it
0: yeah because there's some um, parts of china where like there's a generalization about the men are being the best husband that you will ever have and that if you ever should seek a husband you would go to these particular places and that would be shanghai nimbo <laughs> <laughs> and taiwan apparently they make great husbands because they're very understanding they all cook and they do housework
1: well Big plug to all the Shanghainese, <laughs> Ningbo and Taiwanese men out there.
0: You guys, so if, you're, if you're a girl and you happen to have a guy from any of those cities, yeah, you just just, just don't let them, you lock it in, don't ever let them go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's really interesting as well, because um, uh, on the TV show, uh, Married at First Sight.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Do you watch it? No, I do not. Okay, so... <laughs> This is the first season I've actually had to watch uh, from the very beginning till the end. And they, they had to introduce this, well they, had, well, they had to introduce because they were running out of couples because um, they kept on, you know, uh, opting out. And so they introduced this new guy, you know, on the outside, he's, he's a tradie. So he's a fly in, fly out kind of guy. Um, and he's got tats and he lo- he's built, he's tall, he looks a little bit scary. Um, but then he's been raised by a lot of strong women. Like his mother and he's got sisters, and so he's very sensitive. But then he got paired up with this, I don't want to say the word, witch. Um, But she brought out the worst in him, making him cry, making him feel uncomfortable. So I'm just wondering, you know, there are probably a lot of men out there who are sensitive and who have, you know, been brought and tried to be, you know, understanding. But there are some women out there who just don't know how to accept it.
1: That's true, I Mm. think, men can be victims of the patriarchy just as much as women can i mean it's the patriarchy that tells men that they can't be sensitive Mm. and it's the patriarchy that tells men that they can't be effeminate and that certain traits are masculine or effeminate Mm. and that you know you have to fit into these boxes of what gender you are and you know more men have that freedom to express themselves and talk about their feelings, and, um, you know, live their life how they wanted to live it, I think that would be a wonderful thing. And even though I'm a feminist, I don't think that means women can do no wrong. Mm. I, I've definitely seen examples of and known women to do some pretty despicable things to men and to other women. But I think um, when it comes to men's violence against women, mm. we have a definite problem and we can't ignore that. Um, I, I, I often hear the, but you know, but what about isms, what, Mm. what about, what about, well, the, the fact is that the vast majority of perpetrators of violence are men. Mm. Most of the victims of violence are men too, Mm. but it's not normally not women who are attacking them. It's other men. Yeah. And I don't know what the cause of that is.
0: Angry issues.
1: Maybe bottling
0: it all up and not being vulnerable and talking about it.
1: And I'd I'd love for men to get more support. Absolutely. With with these issues. Um, but I also think there are plenty of men out there who are going through a tough time and don't hit people. So.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I I remember talking to this young uh, university student, obviously a, a man, male. <laughs> Asian. All right, we, we've narrowed it down quite a bit now, yeah. <laughs> I won't go on. Um, yeah, so you know he he's, he comes from a family where I think the the father is the dominant and expects him to do great things because the father has achieved great things um, in the world. And he, it was really, really vulnerable for him to come to me because he came to me to say, hey, Madam Chan, like, I think, have I had a discussion with you? I, I don't think I have. Where he actually asked me, it's like, how should I react to this girl who is beating me in every single class that I have at university? I'm always second now. Yeah, so it was really nice that he actually felt comfortable to come and talk to me because yeah. I was just like, um, I'm, I'm glad because I would have told you just try to beat yourself and not compete with her or try to bring her down. Like, mm. Yeah, so that's pretty much what I told him. But I, I think it would have been a different conversation if he may have had it with his dad who expects him to be number one in everything. Mm. So...
1: I think you're right. It's better to compete with yourself than to compete with others. Correct. Yeah, it gets a bit unhealthy.
0: That's right. Especially you know, he's seeing you know the the female being um, his biggest competitor. And sometimes I think yeah, when men see a woman being too independent or you know better than them, it really impacts them. So they they would do something a little bit outrageous which sometimes may result in domestic violence <laughs> if you're married to them.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, it's a scary thought, isn't it? It
0: is, it really is. Yeah, some anger issues there. I think that um, there should be more um, support out there. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if there are, but in terms of how some men should maybe address some of their issues and taking it out on.
1: Well, there, mm. are, there is support out there for men. I mean, there's Men's Line, mm. which is a counselling service for men. And there's the Men's Shared Organisation, which has branches in a lot of places in Australia. And I think more men would hopefully feel comfortable talking to their mates and to, talking to other people in their lives or even seeking out professional counselling if, if that's something that they would find helpful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think this is a problem that we can solve between the two of us
0: No, but we we would encourage men to go out there and seek the help. I think, you know, they deserve deserve, um, a a round of applause if they're already thinking about going out there for some support.
1: Exactly. And I don't want any male listeners of this to think that I'm down (laughs) on them or proposing that everything is their fault or... Um, blaming men for all the problems of the world. I'm not blaming men. I'm blaming the patriarchy.
0: Yes, the culture that's been set, yeah. which we I think we're finally seeing a little bit of change.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And
0: so, if if all the male listeners out there, or you identify yourself as a man, um, please go and seek the help because I totally support and encourage it.
1: Yes, we support you.
0: 100%. Oh, we love you. That's right. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time for a drink.
1: Yes, I think we've earned it. Absolutely. After, after that philosophical discussion.
0: <laughs> I don't know how that turned into a philosophical discussion about the patriarch. <laughs> it, it always does. It always does. <laughs> and and be, we should take advantage of it while Sydney is still Rona free. Yeah. <laughs> If hey, I hope nothing happens in the future. I'm touching wood. So, yeah, same here. <laughs> Until then, Bagrat out. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For the latest updates and kooky posts, follow us at Captain Bagrat on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you love it as much as Captain Bagrat and we do, please support us with likes and shares. If you're really digging Captain Bagrat, it does cost us a bit to produce, and we really appreciate donations and in-kind contributions via Patreon or however you like. I mean, we will never say no to be a sponsorship. Your support will bring us one step closer to having our own TV show one day, and to live broadcast it from the heart of downtown Chinatown. Solid.